0: Welcome along to the latest Forever Blue podcast, really appreciate your company um, and of course City back after the international break, so nice to talk about some football again. Thanks very much to CharlesLewis.co.uk, Chartered Mortgage Advisors and uh, Advisors on all sorts of things like buying and selling and they actually have properties to sell as well, they're based in the Berry area. And on their website, charleslouis.co.uk, you will find their telephone number if you want to give them a call. I'm sure they'll be delighted to speak to you, especially if you mention that you heard about them on Forever Blue. Now, my guests for this particular City podcast are Mark Lillis, former City striker, who not only played for the club, but has lived and breathed the club and is a diehard Blue fan himself. He's done everything in the game too. You couldn't get more blue than Mark Lilly. So, Mark, thanks very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And I know you've just joined joined us from uh, your granddaughter's birthday party, so we're honoured.
1: Yeah, Peggy's fourth birthday today.
0: So well, she shares her birthday with my dad, who I lost in September last year. So, obviously, she's a very lucky person.
1: I'll remember that, Tuesday. No
0: problem. Uh, we've also got Mark Todd, who is from City Matters. He is also a, a complete lunatic like me, who goes to every single game home and away. Um, has done for as long as I can remember. I'm pretty sure I saw you on the football specials back in the 70s, Mark. Kid, I used to get uh, football special, right? <laughs> and uh, and I've seen you out and about uh, throughout my entire life, really. Uh, and Will, who I bumped into a few years ago when I started doing vlogging and obviously I did a vlog yesterday at the match, which uh, featured the the lads who picked up their medals from 1968, Stan Horn and Bobby Kennedy and uh, representatives of Harry Dowd and uh, Paul Hints have a look at that if you've not seen it already, and obviously covered the the Burnley game. But Will, who I bumped into when I started doing all that vlogging, is is a bit of an editor. He's a big helper to me behind the scenes, but he's also a great City fan. Who um, he won't like like me saying this, but yesterday I saw him trying to get back into the ground because he's bursting for a pee, and the stewards would not let him back in. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> think that's he didn't think I'd seen you, did you?
2: <laughs> I had to have a very firm discussion about where, where I was going to have my weave. if you weren't letting me in.
0: <laughs> well, you got in, I know that, so I'm pleased for you. Right, let's talk about the football. We are going to talk about off-field matters as well later on. We can't not do that with uh, uh, Mr Todd with us, uh, because he is an absolute champion of the fans at the moment. Everywhere I go, without exaggerating, somebody says to me, that Mark Todd's doing a great job. City, <laughs> bless <Blasting. laughs> He lives and breathes it. As somebody said to me, I went to the EDS game last night uh, when City won 5-0 and Cole Palmer scored. And somebody came over to me who we, we both know who said he spends all his spare time, eight hours a day sometimes, yeah. helping other people sort their problems out. If only there were like a thousand of them working at City, I think everybody would be happy. Um, but. We've got the one, Mark, Todd with us tonight. So we'll talk about things off the field a little bit later on. Yeah. Uh, but let's 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 start with the the football stuff. Uh, let's start with uh, Mark Lillis. Obviously, got two marks on today. City um, got a. I'd call it a functional victory against Burnley. Did what they needed to do. Um, actually, had a couple of dodgy moments when they could have conceded. I know you watched some of the highlights last night. Um, what what view made of uh, of City coming out of the The break because before it they were exceptional, weren't they, with the the performances uh, against Chelsea and Liverpool?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was three points, wasn't it, TZ? I mean, it was obviously 2 0. We beat Burnley quite a lot with fives and five goals going in and things like that. But three points is what, uh, especially coming off the internationals games, I think three points was, was, was just what we needed.
0: I mean, it's not, it wasn't done with flair, it wasn't done with that sort of panache that we're used to, uh, but Burnley are dogged. I mean, you, you've done a lot of coaching and, and you've played at, at teams in Burnley's position. What sort of mentality would they have gone into that game with?
1: Well, give the manager credit, you know, he's, he's a good manager and, uh, you know, they're like a 4 they get the ball up forward quick, smash it into the centre forwards, pick the bits up, do all the stuff that you do in, in, in League 2 and League 1 and things like that. So, um, it's always a test for City when we go to teams like that, you know, up short, short, Yep. you know, the team behind the ball. But, you know, like I said, we got the two goals and, you know, that's Pep, I'll, I'll be happy with that. All right, we might have could have played better and got more goals, but, you know, we've got to expect now, you know, we're not going to be able to turn it on every week because people are sussing us out, but we keep getting the three points, you know. It's, it's not how you play, it's um, getting the three points.
0: You're a coach yourself now. How how on earth do you get the players that you're coaching to play the pet way? Is it possible, or they just got to be exceptional
1: players? I think they've got to be exceptional players. You know, um, it's quite, it's, it's um, the players now uh, in 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 our day now, sorry, modern day. Um, you have to manage them individually. You know, they're all not the same. You know, many years ago when I played, you know, I not got managed the same and coach the same, but uh, some of the younger players now that are playing in League Two and League One, you know, want to make it to the Premier League. Um, but I've always said to them, watch, watch Man City play, watch Liverpool play, and see what you can learn off that. But um, no, you've got to be exceptional to, to go slot straight into uh, to Man City's team, especially in the Premiership.
0: As well as watching City, I watch quite a lot of lower division football, and I've seen managers and coaches trying to coach their teams in the lower divisions, in a city way. Um, at the beginning of the season, I saw Bolton play a few times and they've shown signs of trying to play out from the back and, you know, not not hoofing it forward, not playing into the channels, you know, the, the way that we're, we're used to less ability teams playing. Can it work? Can it work? Or is it ultimately bound to be
1: a failure if they've not got the same quality as Pep's got at his disposal? No, I think no. it's the, um, you know, it's decision-making... And them, them guys in the Premier League made the right decisions at the right time in, in the lower leagues. Unfortunately, we, we, you know, they don't do that, you know. But, um, no, nah, I think it's, I think in the lower leagues, you've got to have us. you've got to, I remember Graeme Taylor when I played at Aston Villa, you say round pegs, round holes, you know, and uh, play, play what your team's good at. If it's a 4-4-2, stick with it. You know, a lot of these teams who try and play, like Man City and what Pep does, you know, especially at League 2 level, League 1 level, if you've not got a result after three or four games, you, you change back to what you do and getting the ball forward as quick as you can and picking the bits up in the second balls and that and trying to get over the field. But um, no, I, I don't think... I've, I've not come across really anyone in League 2 who's, uh, who's doing the City way.
0: Even at the top level, though, you have to have a plan, don't you? I mean... This is a City podcast, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about United, but when you look at the array of stars that they've brought in, um, you talk about round pegs in round holes and everything, they seem to have all the ingredients but can't mix the cake. That's down ultimately to the culture, and that's not me having a go at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You can have a go at him if you want. I don't, I don't mind that, but I'm just saying that it is about how the plan you come up with, and City seem to be able to move the pegs around but it all still works. The mixture's always right. That, that's the thing that astounds me.
1: Yeah, it, it is. I mean, and obviously, you're United... I mean, some players now, the day, you know, you have a plan, but sometimes they don't want to go with that plan. They want to do it themselves. They want to, you know, make passes where, you know, they might be working on it in the week, but uh, when it comes to match day, you know, some of the players will do what they want to do, you know, and, and that's where you've got to make, make sure and you've got to manage the dressing room because if you don't, you'll lose the dressing room. And uh, I obviously, what's the, the goals going last night? Um, the Leicester goals, you know, and that was, you know, he's got, he's, they've got to look at the and goal. You know, we, we ain't got round pegs around holes there, no way. But um, you know, it's that, like I said before, the decision making is is so, is so important as well.
0: And Pep talks about uh, no player is deserving of a place just because of their name or what they've done in the past. Brought up, of course, because of uh, the suggestion that Raheem Sterling might want to leave. But more specifically, he even said things like Kevin De Bruyne is no more guaranteed a place than Cole Palmer. And it is that mentality that makes him different, isn't it? And makes City different at the moment.
1: 100%. I've never seen uh, City's substitutes uh, sat in the dugout moaning on you know, just not being involved they, they look they look like when they go on they're going to try and play as, as best they can you know I've seen some some uh, substitutions who are just not bothered they don't seem like they want to go on the pitch because they didn't get in the start 11 they spit the dummies out a little bit but Man City's subs I see them when they warm up and they want to be, get on and they want to prove that you know they can handle it and Pep knows all his players he will know everything what makes people tick what doesn't did he need an arm round? Did he need to come out of the, you know, give him the breather? Uh, and, you know, the way he manages it on, on the sidelines it's, it's fantastic to watch. You know, you can see he's not happy, and then sometimes you can see he is happy. But, um, no, I'm, you know, I'm really, really pleased that he's staying with us, Pep, as well.
0: I bet you'd love to apply for him, wouldn't you?
1: Oh, yeah, it's because you just soak it in. Be, whatever he said you'd do, you'd do. He's got that, he's got that charisma, he's got that. He's got that smile and that, you know, that look that he can stare, he can give you a stare as well. So, uh, yeah, but it would have been great to do it. But unfortunately, uh, I'm beholden now to, uh, to do it.
0: What did you make of the game, Mark Todd? I mean, you did, did you, uh, were you disappointed? Were you just, did you see it as a functional victory against Burnley?
3: Uh, I actually thought the team, um, without playing great, controlled the match for, for, for the most part. But it was interesting what Mark was saying earlier about having the players to be able to play, even at our level, I felt that, like, and Stephen is a very good goalkeeper, but he isn't Edison. So when we were playing it out from the back from our own six-yard box, which, of course, is unheard of five, ten years ago, even then, because it wasn't Edison, you'd quite have the complete 100% confidence he was going to pinpoint a pass out to the halfway line or pick somebody out. So I actually thought that that made the back four a little bit nervous, and we made some mistakes, especially after we went 2-0. I thought um, there was an error in us yesterday, which worried me. But um, we did did enough to win the game. So I suppose functional is a good description of it.
0: Does that give you any anxiety at all with the game coming up in Bruges this week? Because... Uh what went through my mind was that if City have made the type of mistakes against Burnley, against Bruges, that they could slip up. But on the other hand, you think, well, they won't because it's a Champions League game and they'll be in a different place mentally. But yeah. so which side of that argument are you on?
3: I mean we don't I was I was talking to somebody the other day and I was saying to them we don't play badly and win. We kind of if we play badly, we end up drawing with Southampton or we lost at Spurs. We, um, the other lot have got this unbelievable habit of playing really garbage and winning games, it seems to me, United. But we don't seem to do that. But the truth is, we don't play badly very often. So I, I don't see us playing not so great in two games running. You know, I, I almost think um, we didn't play superbly against Burnley. We played well enough. We scored two goals. Could have had more. Um, and, I don't, yeah, it's a completely different game against Bruges. We'll probably see quite a different team. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, okay. But if we win, if we can go and win that game, we're nearly there. So it becomes an important one-off game in a strange way. We win that game and we're almost there in terms of qualifying.
0: And there's one player that certainly is in the form of his life at the moment and that's Bernardo Silva, isn't it? I mean, he, he does it week in, week out. I think he got the player of the month last month and he just keeps going at the moment. He's like a dynamo, isn't he?
3: A couple of years ago, he was everybody's favourite player in the team. I remember playing Liverpool and he absolutely hounded Liverpool out off the pitch uh, about two or three years ago. His mojo went a little bit. Who knows? Everybody has different theories about that. It's not for me to say, but he's definitely got it back. I mean, he's been absolutely brilliant in every game he's played so far this season. And everyone loves to watch him because he's got that combo. He's got a combo of unbelievable skill, but work rate. And not a lot of players have that. They often have one or the other.
0: He's got both. And that's why everybody loves it at City, I think. Will, you were obviously so thrilled by that game yesterday that you left the game forgetting that you needed to go to the toilet and had to come back in again. Was, was that why you were so Were you so excited that that's why you forgot to go to the toilet?
2: Oh, no. I don't even know what I was thinking, to be honest. I just wanted to get out of there. It, it was a strange one yesterday because... It was frustrating almost because we, we the build up play is unreal. It's it's like nothing any other team can do, really, not in the Premier League at least. And then every time we get into a good position, it just feels like the wrong person is taking the shot or we're whizzing a ball just past just across the six yard box and we've not got a number nine to tap it in. And I hate to go back to that argument of do we need a striker or not, but I just felt we it would have been 6 0 yesterday had Anyone other than Raheem Sterling been up front, I think the man's so bereft of confidence. He he doesn't make the right runs anymore. There's a couple of times when De Bruyne is streaming up the pitch and and you're thinking to Sterling, go on, just bomb and beat the man. And he's he's dragging off out wide because he's used to being a winger. He's he's just not making the right runs. And I think, you know, Harry Kane, Erling Haaland, or a standard number nine would have just made the right run, been in the right position. And not only Burnley yesterday, but at Anfield, at Paris, we would have won comfortably. And that's oh, the only thing that's getting to me at the moment, just not taking the chances that we should have done.
0: What is the difference then? I mean, Raheem Sterling a year or two ago was sensational. Everybody loved him. He scored lots of goals. Um, he hasn't become a bad player overnight, surely, and he's he still... Get him, he got goals for, for England, you know, quite regularly in the summer and everything. It's not as if he's suddenly become a bad player. Is it something
2: tactically that City are doing differently? I I just think he doesn't know his place anymore. Uh, two or three seasons ago, it was the, the the sort of defined starting the starting three, the front three was uh, Sterling, Aguero, and Sane, or the other way around. Sorry, and 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 Sterling knew he was pretty much a guaranteed starter on the right wing. He knew he knew what he needed to do. Whereas now, yeah, he doesn't, know. he doesn't know when he's going to start, but neither does every player. And that's the point that Pep was making. You can't just you can't rely on past glories to keep your place in the team and you have to adapt and you have to... Like Ferran Torres, nobody expects him to be a striker and yet he seems to score every time he plays and he's someone who's adapted to what Pep's asked of him. Whereas I don't think Sterling has. He, he, Sterling's pushed to the limit in terms of his work rate and his tracking back and all the, the positional pay that Pep's asking him to do. I just don't think he can make that step up to be a, a recognised striker.
0: I'm going to throw in a con- controversial opinion now. If I put this on Twitter, I'm sure people would be shouting at me and um, uh, all sorts of stuff on a podcast where well, you've got to actually listen to it and hear the balanced views of, of more than one person and turn it into a debate, maybe I'll be treated less gently. But um, I looked at Triori playing for Wolves yesterday and I've been a fan of Triori for, for some time. I love his power, his pace, he makes things happen. And then I look at the signing of Jack Grealish, who at the moment hasn't convinced me at all, and I was very unsure about signing him in the first place. And I can't help thinking that City would have been far better better equipped bringing in a player like Triori, which would have given them a different dimension. Um, something that's, that perhaps they didn't have as much of, particularly since they lost uh, Leroy Sane. that pace. and Perhaps the power wasn't what Leroy Sane had, but he certainly has power as well and causes trouble to all defences. I wish City had gone for Traore rather than, than um, Jack Grealish, who, as I say, has yet to convince me. What do you say to that, Mark Lillis? I,
1: I think I'd go with Grealish. He, he might, he's got pep that's coached in him as well. And, and, and he'll he'll there's still parts of his game that he needs to improve on, um, but um, I think Grealish is a good is, is a great signing. Uh, I honestly do. And uh, you know when Pep makes signings, they're going to fit into what plan he wants them to do, and he must look at them and say, can they handle the plan that I'm going to put put in front of them? I think Grealish will. I think we've got to give him a little bit of time. It's tough when you go into well any 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 club when you go in. Uh, you need a little bit of time to get through. Going back to that, uh, no, I think Grealish will be a good, a, a really good signing. I suppose I you're all going to shout sh- me down now, aren't you?
3: I am gonna, sh- I'm going to shout you down because I, I, I've heard this off so a couple of people. I don't understand this thing like Grealish hasn't started that well. I think he started really well considering he's come to a new club with the expectation playing in a completely new way. He's got a, the, main, the main reason it's a completely new way is he's not carrying the whole team. And he was brilliant at Villa and Villa are a decent side, you know, um, but he was the main man and he had to play week in, week out and perform week in, week out. And then suddenly he's part of a machine that just has been steamrolling. We won the league three out of the last four years. We're, you know, we're the best team in the country by a, a mile in, on the last two or three years, three, four years. So I think it's a very different environment for him. And I don't think he's done that badly. He scored a couple of assists. He's played most of the games as well. Um, I think it would be great, and he walked, obviously didn't play yesterday. It's going to be great if he can go in and out the side a little bit, have a bit of a rest, you know, watch people in training, get better, get link up play with other people like Foden. So uh, I'm delighted. I think he's a, a, a classic Pep signing as well. I think I agree with Mark that you know he's he's a Pep-style player, and Pep will make
2: him better. Ben oh, put in well. place here? Have I got any ally from Will? Afraid not, Ian. I'm afraid not. I quite right. The only, the only sort of negative I'd say about Grealish is maybe we could have put the hundred million to a striker. I think in terms of wide, creative players, we've we've got plenty. We haven't got any attacking options. I would have put the hundred million towards an attacking player. But Jack Grealish, I mean, every single sort of fan favorite who's come to City in recent years has had a slow start. Yeah. Uh, Leroy Sane took six months. Bernardo Silva took a year. Charles yeah, uh, Cancelo took a year. Everyone takes at least six months to a year to bed into the system to realize what Pep wants, and then I think you really get to see the true player in the second season, really. And I'm going to reserve judgment until then. And I think it's only fair considering he's a young kid. You know what I mean? You you forget that sometimes because he does show a lot of sort of professionalism and 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 he seems quite mature, but he's still young, you know, he's still adapting. So I like him. I'm more than happy to give him, give him time. That's
0: put me in my place, so I accept yeah. that. Um, I mean, in, the other thing, of course, is he predominantly likes to play on the left-hand side. And now St- I prefer Sterling personally when he's on the right. And in that season yeah. that you mentioned before, Will, yeah. when it was Sterling on one side, Sane on the other, and Aguero down the middle, I thought uh, her Sterling was far more effective on the right. But now uh, I know that these players are all interchangeable. We've seen uh, Jack Grealish playing in a sort of, False nine role we saw even uh, Foden do that yesterday and on Friday at the press conference Pep claimed he could play that is Foden in five different positions and said he would even be able to play at left back you know he would understand that as well um, but at the moment you've got Grealish Foden and Raheem Sterling who are all thought of as left sided uh, I know that. Bernardo can play on the right, but I think he's more effective in the middle, personally. Riyad Mahrez hugs that right hand touch line. Maybe is the solution to Raheem Sterling rather than letting him go, moving back to the right hand side? What would you do, Mark? Mark Lillis, that is.
1: Yeah, he could do. You know I mean, but it's, it's not just about one player with Pep, it's about all of the team and all of the team accepting his decisions. And obviously, um, He he, he could play, yeah, he could play uh, right side. But uh, at the present time, I think, personally, I think he's lost a little bit of belief in himself and confidence. And people might say, well, you shouldn't be able to do that when you're you're a Premier League player. It's no matter what level you play at. If you're not scoring goals or you're not a bad one, you do lose your confidence. And every time you get the ball, you either think, I'm going to give it away or I'm going to miss the target. And he might be going through that, you know. He might need an arm round or a rest to, to just say, I know he's, he wants to start playing games and things like that, but I honestly believe he's he's a, like a confidence at the present time.
3: I, if, you
1: me,
3: if you don't mind me saying, I think he's always been, and it's my take on it, I hope I don't sound offensive to so him, because I actually love him as a player, but he's always been a bit like from the sublime to the ridiculous. He's always done something that you couldn't imagine another player doing, the way he zigzags through and shoots. And then he'll put the ball over from five yards. And he's like an inspirational type of player, I think, rather than mm-hmm. those players that look and think all the time. He's almost a reactive player. And I just think it's tipped the wrong way slightly for him at home. he's doing some slightly almost comedic things, getting it wrong. And there's not enough of the brilliance. And that'll turn around. I mean, look, at we're talking about Bernardo. Bernardo's had a poor 18 months by his own standards. Uh, Mark's obviously right about players come and go and have great times and bad times. Confidence comes and goes. And I think Sterling, it'll come back.
0: Let me move on to another subject in terms of the football that we saw against Burnley, and that was Nathan Ake playing at left-back. Now, we know he, he can play at left-back, but I've been a little bit surprised that uh, Alexander Sinchenko, unless there's some fitness worry that we don't know about, hasn't had more game time. Now, I can imagine that... The reason he did what he did against Burnley, i.e. rest Kyle Walker, which I think is what he was doing, uh, and giving Nathan Ake a bit of game time at left back would, was a sensible thing to do. But um, Zinchenko is, is somebody I, I really like. Um, is anybody else concerned that Zinchenko is not getting game time?
2: Will, is that
0: something that worries you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Zinchenko in, in terms of a utility player that you can have in your squad who's he's un, unbelievable, really, going from left-back all the way up to a sort of attacking midfielder. Um, It's funny with Ake, some some players run and you can tell they're a winger or a fullback. you know, they, they run in a particular style and you can tell they've got pace. Other players run like centre-backs and Ake runs like a centre-back. He runs down the wing like a centre-back and it... It doesn't look right and you can tell it's not his natural position and I you, I just can't see him being able to bomb forward you know whip across in in the same way that you know Cancelo, Walker or even Zinchenko can do Um, yeah it's not his natural position I think Zinchenko has been out for a long time so I, I'm, I'm not surprised he's not been rushed back in I believe he's just had a, a newborn son as well so there's probably a bit of that um, I also for, I want to make the point of the link up between Cancello and Bernardo on the right was excellent the other day. And that, I, I think that may have been the first time that they have played together down the right. But it's, it's, you see it as a cliche, you know, they're both the same nationality, they must be able to play well together. But definitely the case of those two, you could, you could see that they have some sort of bond and they knew where each other were because it was really, really noticeable. I thought, I thought they played
3: Ake, okay, obviously, to give us more height because we were playing Burnley. That's the that's the third. I mean, obviously, there's knock-on effects like you obviously wanted to give Walker a rest. But to play in there, suddenly you've got three centre-halves, effectively, without going yeah. three back. At the time, Burnley looked dangerous. It was either the, the, when they bashed the ball in, like Mark was saying early on, bash it into the forwards. And obviously, you got a lot of set pieces. They got a lot of free kicks, didn't they? Um, like quite wide um, that they were firing in. And of course, Ake gave us that height. So that made sense to me uh, over and above uh, Zinchenko. The great thing about Zinchenko is he doesn't give the ball away. So it's a strange one. You know, where wherever he plays, left back or right back, Cancelo is brilliant almost as an attacker. You know, the way he puts it through people's legs to make a pass and like, does step overs, that's all great. He has a propensity to give the ball away occasionally because he takes more risks, I suppose. It's not a bad play, he just takes a bit more risk. I love Zinchenko in that role because he hardly ever gives it away. He just usually feeds it into somebody in midfield who can then start an attack.
0: It's a little bit of a cliche sometimes that European football is different uh, to, to league football. I, I never quite buy into that. Um, Mark, as a coach, you know, do you look at European games... Very differently, or would you look very differently if you were coaching City than than you do at League games? I mean, surely it's, just, it's still 11 against 11,
1: is it? Yeah, I don't think there's any it's still 90 minutes. It's still a 90 minute game, whether it's you know in the Premier League or in the European league. So no, I don't got too concerned about that. You know, as long as you've got your trust in your players and the players can adapt um, to whoever whoever we're going to play and what system they play, because they'll go through all that. They'll they'll know. Um, you know what the uh, European teams play like, but no, for me it's just another football game which we just have to get on with. So when it comes
0: to this Bruges game, um, obviously a City of have lost at PSG but beaten Leipzig, so three points from six. Uh, The back-to-back games now against Bruges because they play away on Tuesday and then a fortnight later play the home game. Bruges got a bit of a surprise result, in my opinion, by, first of all, getting a draw with PSG. They top the group, of course, and then beating Leipzig. So suddenly, on paper at least, it looks like Bruges could be competitors. So City have to put them to the sword. So do they have to go to Bruges on Tuesday and be cautious and if the answer to that is yes, does Zinchenko represent cautiousness more than somebody like Cancelo, which is what the other Mark is perhaps hinting, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but because of possession being crucial, is it better to have somebody like Zinchenko in a European game?
2: I I think City should always try and play on the front foot and act as if we're the home team. I think that suits us best. There's been times where, you know, we've been on a great run of form. we come to a really important game and Pep tries to adapt to the other team and it just hasn't worked. You know, he's always overthought something and tried to put a, a player in a different position to what they normally would. And we come out of the game and we think, why didn't we just do what we always do? So as sort of basic as it sounds, I don't think we should change for anyone. I think we should always try and play as if we're the number one team and dominate. Mm.
1: Mark, is it more important? he's got a good point. Definitely,
3: it's always come back. It's always come a bit on the backside when Pep's um, change tactics and formations, and I, I think we change enough in personnel because I ca- I can't ever remember being able to pick what side he's got he's going to play. Every time we've got a massive European game on a Wednesday, I think oh, bound to be resting De Bruyne for this weekend's game, and of course he plays him. So he always catches me out with the personnel. So I actually uh, totally agree that we should just stick to the way we play, always have one defensive mid, always play three up front. Uh, and we've got enough changes in us through the personnel to make it interesting and fresh and those kind of things. I I, I, don't, I don't know enough about Bruges, really, uh, to know whether they're going to... I mean, against um, Burnley, we knew how they were going to play. There was no surprises. We knew they were going to play exactly as they did. And you were always going to need as many attackers on the pitch as possible to try and pick holes through them, and that's why it made a load of sense to play Cancelo on, uh, as a fullback. Uh, maybe uh, if Bruges play on the break and they're a bit more less direct, a bit more you know one twos, um, Zinchenko make more sense because you can't give the ball away. The, the The difference with European football is there's lots of very good teams who can actually play once you give them the ball. So, although style of play is not different, I don't think. I agree with what people are saying. I do think in the Champions League, if you give the ball away and you're pressing, you know, you're trying to get the the goal, they really do punish you on the break. So, I don't know if about Bruges, but that's the thing I'd be worried about. So, I would play Zinchenko, definitely.
0: So what you're warning against really there is, you know, we shouldn't get too arrogant and to think, ah, it's only a Belgian team. It's only Bruges You, we've never really heard of. You know, they will be good and arguably will be better than Burnley
3: were. I think they will be better than Burnley with the ball, without a shadow of a doubt. Burnley are great at defending, aren't they? You know, they do what they do. They'll be great at set pieces. Who knows what Bruges are? But in terms of, you know, trying to make a killer pass, they intercept it and then they're on you. Yeah. The teams in the Champions League give you more trouble than possibly Burnley would, yeah.
0: Now, uh, I'm going to talk about something slightly different now. I mean, when I walk around, as I do doing my vlogging, before every game, I'm I'm usually at the ground two or three hours before the game, I talk to an awful lot of people. Sometimes I don't film them, it's just a conversation that I have and it's always great to meet City fans and, and, and hear what they've got to say. And the number of City fans that have come up to me in the last... Uh, Certainly last, uh, well, this season, you know, this couple of months, whether it be home fans or away fans have said, I absolutely love what's going on on the field. That You know, the team on the field is is the best thing ever. It's just a joy to watch them. But I'm not very happy with the team, with the club off the field. I don't like the direction they're going in and I don't like a lot of different things. Uh, And there's a lot of people out there getting quite disillusioned and angry and upset I don't think this is just one or two individuals. I definitely sense this is on on quite a big scale. I've even bumped into fans who, like you and I, Mark, have gone home and away throughout our entire lives, who've said, I don't know why I'm here anymore because I don't feel it anymore because of what's happening off the field. Not because of what's happening on the field, but what's happening off the field. You've took on this mighty, mighty challenge and you, you seem to be... I'm 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 hesitant to use the word relish because you might correct me, but you seem to be relishing it. But you certainly seem to be gripping it with with both hands and and going for it. And as everybody keeps telling me, putting hours and hours and hours in to try to to help people. But you must have a strong opinion on whether or not what I've just said is true, and whether you're experiencing the same thing. So, what is your experience?
3: Well. The way I see it is the clubs. The clubs changed out of all recognition in the last twenty years, ten years, even five years, and a lot of it is very good. A lot of us love it. A lot of us has been going home and away for donkey's years. Almost feel like you know, all those years we kept the club alive in the nineties. You know, without us, and no disrespect to Preston, I love Preston. Or no disrespect to Blackpool, great big powerhouses of football in the past can end up in the backwaters very, very quickly. And with us, with our um, colossus of a neighbour down the road, as it was in the nineties, we could have totally disappeared. And a lot of those of us that kept going and loved the club so much, and went home and away. And there's a lot of us. Um, we kept that club alive at that time. And a lot of us almost feel like you know we we've got lucky with the owners and the football's brilliant. It's great to stick it to United every single week. It feels like so we're inside. Enti- we're entitled to relish all that. But things do move on as we're discovering. You know we've got a great football team and we're enjoying it. And I, I'm not I'm I'm a bit of a modernist. I actually believe that uh, I don't always think it's for the better, but things move on. I imagine I started going in 1970 when I was a kid. I imagine people who went in the 50s, during the 70s went, oh, it's not as you know, not what it used to be. Yeah, you know, things do change. I think that um the club are the club have made a big error just lately in terms of how they've tried to change things, and I think they know. And I think um What I've tried to do is, I mean, basically City Matters was set up to give the fans a voice was the idea. So it's a committee made up of City fans who are elected by the support. And I just decided to take it really seriously. Rather than just going to the committee meetings, I thought, right, I'm going to actually represent the fans. I know a lot of them. And Facebook allows you to do these things. So set up a Facebook group for people to get involved if they wanted to. And it's for people who go to games. It's not for anybody all over the world. So it gives it its own flavour. People who are match-going support. And then when things started to go wrong with ticketing just lately, I had to decide, because the club was just inundated, I had to decide, do I step up and help people to get in touch with people to resolve these problems everybody's having with these new electronic tickets or do I just leave it? And I decided to take it on. Now, I've took it on for about four or five weeks and had quite a lot of success. And people have really appreciated it. So that spurred me on to do it again. You know, people have been grateful and I appreciate them telling me so. So it has gone on for quite some time. I do get the feeling things are, are calming down a little bit now. But I do make sure that the club hears what the fans have got to say. So when they tell me, or oh, transport's like appalling, trying to get away, pick on something easy. You know, public transport's terrible getting away from the game. I absolutely batter their heads about it and ask them to do something and tell me what that is. And I feed that back to the support. So I almost feel like um, I'm their Member of Parliament in the in the, I mean, there are others. I'm not the only one on this committee, but that's how I see it. I see it as a, I'm lucky enough to be their fan rep. We don't, we have a supporters club, which I know you had Kevin Parker last, last week, and I have a lot of time for Kevin and uh, work with him. Uh, but they represent the supporters clubs. So, you know, they're a bit, bit of a different beast. You know, they do a great job representing supporters' branches. But to actually just ordinary individual match going fans who go to a lot of home and away games, I felt like, why don't I just try and perform that role as other people do? And then, things went a bit wrong after after we've been away for a year and a half during the pandemic so there was there was something for me to stand up uh, you know and uh, step up to the plate over so I've chosen to do that I can't carry on doing it forever uh, because as people keep pointing out I'm spending a lot of time on it but I get the impression things are, are calming down and we've had a few successes I've told the club that they're getting things wrong in certain ways and they have made changes things like um, there's been terrible queues at the South Stand and they've, put, they've they're putting four new turnstiles in in the next few weeks. So it's, I know it's nuts and bolts and it might be a bit dull for people who don't come to the game. So I apologise to those of you who are listening. But to people who are stood in the cold, who've paid their hard-earned money to go watch City, to miss first 10 minutes of the game really matters. So when fans have come to me with problems to do with coming to the game, I've been able to be a conduit, talk to the club, tell them to pull the finger out and improve it. And in, uh, not always, but in some regards, they have done. So we've had a bit of success and I'll carry on doing that.
0: You're independent, Mark. It's a bit of an unfair question for you as a as a former player, but you're an independent voice on this. You go to matches now and again. You're still working in football. And... Um, What's your view? I mean, do you, inevitably things move on. Do you have any problems? I mean, have you caught with getting into games and all that sort of thing? And, and do you get any feedback from fellow fans?
1: No, really. I just I get to games, yeah. And uh, obviously the other week I took my grandson and uh, just go and enjoy the, enjoy the day. And I have no really problems about getting into the stadium and all that. But Mark's doing a fantastic job there listening to it. Um, but um, no, I've um, I, I've been okay. I don't think it's just because I'm a player, because obviously people won't remember me uh, <laughs> now. But um, I no, I remember uh, you,
3: I, I remember you, Mark. I saw you banging in goals for my football club. I appreciate it.
1: Good lad, good lad. No, but I appreciate what you're doing. That's fantastic, and that's what I think that's what needed. Where, when when things move on, and you've got someone like Mark there, it's good for the fans that can. And he's absolutely going to the club and getting answers. And that's all we thats all we want.
0: And Will, you know, you're a match-going fan. Um, have
3: you
2: had any difficulties? Well, I think the news about the extra turnstiles for the South stands the best news I've had all day. <laughs>
3: oh, God, I'm delighted.
2: See, isn't it funny, see? Sorry to butt across you, but
3: isn't it funny? I don't sit in a South Stand, but I'm absolutely buzzing that the people who sit in a South Stand, a South Stand are so pleased. <laughs> I just got loads of people sending me photographs of the queues outside. So I thought, right, you know, they need to be told, you know, and, and the, our club, that the people I speak to there, they're, they're pretty good people, you know, when I speak to them, they don't come across as don't care about the match going fat. They need telling sometimes, and I'm happy to do that. So, go on. So, um, is it, has it been trouble getting in at the South Stand for you then, fella?
2: Yeah, so it, it sometimes, especially in the... Um... And Well, the early morning games and the evening games where people yeah. have sort of a limited time slot as to when yeah. they can arrive and it usually is half an hour before kickoff. So the, the, the queues leave the premises of the Etihad and go out onto Ashton Old Road. It really yeah. isn't that bad. But yesterday I was, it, I was in the queue for less than five minutes. So hopefully there's progress. Well, just, to be,
3: just to be a bit boring, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. because they've changed the technology on the turnstile. I didn't mention that. So something I was saying that my feedback was when people were like swiping to get in, it was
2: taking ages. So they've changed
3: something to do with the technology, something to do with the server. So I think if people get
2: in, noticeable,
3: quickly. well, that's massive news. That Thanks for letting me know.
1: I'll feed that back. Nice. Uh,
0: yesterday, though, I getting a lot of feedback saying I, I I wasn't in one of these car parks, but I was told that there are queues for the car parks, which had to be pre-booked. And in theory, we was supposed to be number of registration, you know, where the computer recognises it. We're all being dealt by one bloke on a laptop and it was taking him ever to, forever to get in. And then I had a separate complaint after the game that where the fans cross over, uh, after the game, in front of the main entrance area at the Colin Bell stand, because of some VIP cars or vans or something that were parked in that area, everybody was squashed into a, na- a, a narrow corridor, which they were worried about safety, and it was certainly causing a lot of delays afterwards. So there's still still things that are irritating people, that's for sure, Matt. You're not going to yeah, run out know. of things to do, are you?
3: No, I <laughs> mean, fully enough, that that very issue at Park came to me uh this morning. I, I, I watched the match and I think don't open your inbox until the next day. <laughs> Just enjoy the fact we beat Burnley sooner in United got hammered. Just have a, have a glass of wine, watch match of the day, and then go to your inbox Sunday morning. Now I don't I, I, I don't mind getting an inbox but it's better to have it Sunday than it is Saturday night. But I heard a couple of those and again I'll make sure the club don't escape that. That's the I'm, I'm, I like to hold the mirror up to him a little bit. Right, what are you going to do? At least you got this wrong. I was City, because I think they are well-meaning people a lot of the time. Uh, it's I hate to say it, but it's usually cock up, not conspiracy. You know, it's usually a mistake somewhere. So I'm going to keep going at it. Other people are on city matters. It's not just me, but I've I've taken it on a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll uh, try and tidy all these up. We might have a um. And like a, a match where nothing goes wrong who
0: knows well just before we go back to finishing the podcast with a little bit more football uh, is there anything else Mark you can tell us from your meetings and anything else on the horizon
1: yeah Jesus, um, yeah. go on mate go on Mark Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm okay to just jump out for a minute I've got to uh, see my granddaughter off
0: absolutely you go for it Mark uh, alright uh, give her go a kiss from us that's, granddaughter that's first every time Absolutely. Go on, Mark. Todd, uh, tell us if there's anything else you'd like to say.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're trying to get we're trying to get small improvements all the time. I keep that like, chipping away. What the fans want me to do. So the stuff about the south stand, um, even silly things that didn't isn't, wasn't exactly great news yesterday. I, when the um, when the public transport isn't going to be perfect. So the Metrolink are struggling to get drivers at the moment. So nothing to do with City. Um, I, got, I managed to negotiate with them that they'd make an announcement about when, how often the trams are going to be. Because people get on the platform thinking, oh, I'm going to have to wait three or four minutes. and They are waiting 10, 15. And if you don't know, you can start getting annoyed about it. So I noticed there was an announcement yesterday, and it wasn't the best announcement. I used the tram. I didn't want to hear it. But at least people knew that there was a delay. They knew that there weren't any specials on. So I'm trying to chip away at relatively small things, that the club can do. The other thing is um, mobile ticketing. Um, they've always said that they'll have another discussion with us about those people who really absolutely cannot use a smartphone to, to access the stadium. We managed to get 200 people issued with a season card, a physical card, which they can use. Now, it'll be somebody right at one end of the scale who in a million years just couldn't use um, a smartphone. It might be for a disability, or an older person or something like that. So we've had a success there. And I'll just keep chipping away at the things that the fans want. And I'm hoping as we come back and get used to, this is the first season after the pandemic, I'm hoping as we go through the season, things are lying out and we'll end up in a better place. That's what I really hope.
0: And I presume that somebody like me, who has coped and does cope with mobile ticketing, but just doesn't want one, um, it's it's not going to happen, is it?
3: I wish I could say, if, it, if, it was, if they, they did ask me, but it was a bit late, three weeks before they were going to do it, I said, whatever you do, don't make everybody do it, it'll go wrong, and it did. So I'm feeling a bit cocky about the fact I was right, but it doesn't make me feel happy. They should have given people a choice, at least for the first 18 months, two years, just while people saw maybe there were some benefits of an electronic um, season card, um, but they didn't. And I don't think the club are going to go back from that. What we're doing now... Is I'm pushing them very hard so the technology actually bloody works because it hasn't worked that great in the first few weeks. A lot of new technology doesn't at the beginning. Um, i just we've just got to hope that it like uh, works itself out in the wash a little bit and, and, and by maybe you know in the next few weeks it gets better and better and better. But I don't think we're going back. I think we're stuck with mobile tickets.
0: I don't know about you, Will, but um, we've had uh, Mark on. He's part of our uh, podcast group anyway now. So even when he's not talking about city matters, he's more than welcome to come on and just talk football. Uh, but hearing him talk, hearing everything I hear about him, um, really has given me a big lift in everything uh, that, that is going on off the field. I do wonder why they don't just employ him. Uh, I no mean, chance. I, would... I
3: won't work for that shower. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm. I, I, I'm sorry, Will. I'm cutting across you, but I love being slightly removed, representing the fans. If if they ever offered me some paid work, I'd run a mile. So or a scooter a mile, as I'm a mobility scooter user. <laughs> uh, I'm quite happy doing what I do, and I love it.
2: They'd only employ him to silence him, anyway.
3: Absolutely. Well well Spotty.
0: Good. good you know quality. what, Will? You, you joked about them. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah. That's probably true. Because, yeah. I mean, I've I've made no secret the fact that I would, I, you know, I'd love a role at the club and do something that was a sort of go between, between a bit, bit like Mark's doing. But even I am aware of that that problem that as soon as you become on the inside, you have to toe the line, you have to act yeah. in a certain way, and maybe that's why they won't touch me because uh, you know it's it, it, I, I would want to, to to be authentic and real and not be. Uh, controlled by the club so but but knowing marks around it has got to to fill everybody with confidence you've got a result will you've got new turnstiles and getting in quick
2: and and, and quite a lot of people who go to the game will will sort of notice these little niggles not really think about them and not think to sort of question it or even think can we improve in this area and then just to know that there is somebody chasing it up here is it's a good feeling no. I'm
3: I, I'm I'm actually a bit surprised with things that have gone on just lately that there hasn't been in, like an emerging like unofficial supporters group. I don't mean to take on Kevin's gang. I didn't mean that at all, but just an unofficial supporters uh, gang who want to start saying, you know, we want our club back to how it was a little bit more. But maybe we don't need to do that. It's uh, you know, it's not. It can be quite divisive when you end up with that kind of thing. And and if I can. Um, what I find is I'm solving individuals' problems. You know, somebody will literally send me a 16-page email about what's going wrong with their season ticket and their sons, and I'll boil it down into a request and get somebody at the club to ring them. And they, they're always a bit astonished when that happens. So I always think I'd, I'll do that for them, um, hopefully the issues will calm down and I won't have as much, like, casework almost to do. And then I can concentrate on some of the, like, broader issues, like, you know, public transport, you know, turnstiles at the South Stand. I'm trying to turn me focus more to those bigger issues that are important to the fans rather than having to solve individual ticketing problems.
0: Well done you, Mark. Everybody listening to this must want me to say that. I'm um, very nice. proud to call you a friend, uh, to be part of our podcast and to have, um, have known you, albeit to a certain extent from a distance, but for many, many years. Thanks for what you're doing. It's really, really appreciated. Cheers, bud. Um, very kind. Let, let me let me finish. Now, Mark may or may not come back because he's gone to see his granddaughter off. That is Mark Lillis, who's been uh, with us on the podcast today. And we sort of record this live, you know, believe it or not. We don't do any sort of editing as we go along. So I, I thought it might be quite nice to finish um, the, the podcast, which I suppose it's going to be mainly Mark Todd and I talking about, about this. But just to sort of remember Mark Lillis a little bit, you know, about his contribution, because um, he was at the club, um, you know, when during that long period when things were up and down a little bit, uh, the, the thing I loved about Mark uh, what was that, you know, you knew that every time he took the field, every single sinew of his energy, every little bit of his emotion, every bit of energy he had was put into being Manchester City player. And, and whilst he may, and he'd probably admit this himself if he comes back to us, might not have been the greatest player we've ever had, my God, he's the sort of player you want in your team, isn't he, Mark?
3: He was a fan on the pitch. That's what it was. He, he played like a fan on the pitch all the time. Uh, and I loved him when he played for us. I thought he was great. And he put himself about and he uh, he scored some goals. And uh, yeah, you're right. He strained every sinew. So, you know, like when the ball comes in and we head it away, you know, when the ball's coming in, he, he was actually doing it for us on the pitch with a blue shirt on. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. I never I, I can't forget Wembley as well, of course, in the full members. Um, he was a uh, man possessed in that game. I still claim... Did he get, uh, did he get four goals or three?
0: Uh, he three. Sort of should have had a hat-trick, really, but yeah. one was taken off him. I think it was a Doug Roog v on goal. I do not it?
3: care. That was his goal. <laughs> I argued with a Chelsea fan about that years ago. No, he got an hat-trick. You're not taking that off him. You got an hat-trick for City at Wembley. He's having it off me anyway.
0: Did you stay to the end, Mark?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I stayed right to the end. I always stay right to the end. I I can't remember the I can't remember the last time I left before the final whistle. It doesn't matter. I, Derby County away, getting beat 6-0, stay to the end. You always you always stay to the end. That's my that's my golden rule that.
0: I think if I remember rightly, we were losing five one to Chelsea, weren't we, in that game? And those three late goals all yeah. came at a time when, a bit bit like the Gillingham game, which is obviously a lot more well-known by City fans, people were sort of streaming out and getting fed yeah. up. Um, and that was when Mark had his glory moment, yeah. you know, slightly taken away from him. But, but he was, uh, you know, he's a player that we all loved. And I suppose from your perspective, Will, um, whilst you may not have seen Mark Lillis play, uh, knowing that somebody like, at the moment, uh, Phil Foden is playing, and who knows, um, Cole Palmer in the future, and another young lads like that coming through, um, you know, the, the academy who are sort of uh, blues in, in youth, it makes a big difference. I mean, it, I mean, we love Bernardo Silva, you know, we we love Guero, Vincent Company, Zabaleta, and all the rest. But there's something very special about the local players who are, you know, um, proper blues, isn't there?
2: A hundred percent. And you just have, you always have an extra inclination just to give them that extra sort of burst of energy when, they, you know, like if they're coming on as a substitute or if they score a goal, there's there's always that extra bit of pride when it's a homegrown player. Uh, obviously, I wasn't around during Mark's time. Um, I believe it, top scorer the season he was there though.
0: Well, Mark Lillis is back with us now, seen off his, uh, his granddaughter. Nice to have you back with us, Mark. Uh, We've just been talking about you behind your back and um, basically singing your praises and saying that, you know, when you took to the field, you were one of those players who um, wore your heart on your sleeve and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And it it was a dream for you to play
1: for City, wasn't it? Yeah. Can you hear me cheesy? Yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to get Peggy off. She wanted me to to see see Grandad. Sorry about that. No, uh, I remember my home debut. Um, and I scored a, I scored a penalty. Um, and I just run to the kipax And it was like it was, I think someone said before, it was like me playing as a fan. It was, it was just to pull that shirt on, Omar away, and especially the the, the members' cup final. Um, and we played United on this on the Saturday and yeah. I talked to you before about We, we were we were two two. Uh Old Trafford, we got a corner with a minute to go and I was going to go up because I went back to centre half and uh, Paul Powell grabbed me and said, where are you going? I said, I'm going up there. <laughs> so i going to go in front of the Streatford end and get three points. And, uh, oh no, it was two points in them days. He went, you know what, you're staying here, we're getting a point. So he he, he dragged me and made me stay at the back there and then the whistle went and uh, I was gutted that we only drew 2 2 because I wanted to get the winner uh, in the hit <laughs> the Streatford end.
0: And you still had all that energy at Wembley the following day when you scored your hat-trick, only to be cruelly denied
1: by Doug Rugby taking one of your goals off you. I had an injection uh, before it. The doctor gave me an injection in the top of my bum at my hamstring because I'd said to him in the hotel, my hamstring feels a little bit tight. He said, I'll tell the manager. I went, no, you won't. He said, well, (laughs) I'll have to give you a jab then. I said, well, give me a jab because I'm playing in this game and I'm playing the full 90-odd minutes. And um, fortunately... We we went 1-0 up and then it went to 5-1. I remember looking up at my mum and my dad and all my brothers and uncles and all the City fans there thinking, I can't go back home here at 5-1. I'll get absolutely hammered. So, uh, fortunately, I got uh, a couple of goals. One was a penalty, one was a header from Simo's cross. And then um, got it back to 5-4 and they'd gone Chelsea. But, you know, the final whistle went when uh, you know they kicked off when we'd scored the fourth goal. So, uh, unfortunately... It was. I felt gutted when I got back home, but not not for myself, more for the fans. You know, with being a fan as well, and I, I know what how it, how it's hurt and that. But you know, them memories will always stay with me.
0: So you can completely relate to how Phil Foden plays when he, how he feels when he pulls on a City shirt. Then.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's just it's it's this proudness and pride that, and to be truthful. You've got to play well as well, because the City fans will have it go at you. You want every every game I was saying, oh, you know, I know they were singing my name, but there were some games that I won't play particularly well, and they, and they told you. <laughs> they told you when you were when you going down that wing and you'd give it away, they'd, they'd have a go at you, but when you've done something good, they'd get right behind you.
0: Could you have ever, I mean, it never happened, I know, but if United had come before you, could you have played for them? no. No,
1: straightforward answer. Capital, capital N. But no, no matter how much they offered. No.
0: I mean, the nearest I've come to that was, um, uh, you know, when I was at the BBC um, before I got the city job, uh, my boss offered me the job to be the United uh, commentator. And, and I said, no, I don't want to do that. And he said, why? It's a great career move. You know, you could be, you know, traveling all over Europe. At the time, they were successful all over Europe. City weren't. And I said, no, I don't want to do it. I mean, there's a longer story, which I won't bore you with at the moment, but I, I just wouldn't do it. And whilst that wasn't a direct offer for more money, it was just because even though I knew I could do it and proved I could do it in, in a little experiment we did, just could I? My heart, I just didn't want to do it, and that—that's obviously how you would have felt as a player, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know, you—you you know, once you're born, you come out of mum's womb. You know, you're a blue or red. and that's it. That's so—that's what it is. And we, we we were blues. So, I think when when I was about thirty seconds old, I think it was a blue. <laughs> you know, it was one of them. It was.
0: What you made know, you wait thirty seconds? What was wrong with the first thirty seconds, Mark? <laughs>
1: Yeah, good, and I don't know, but uh, no, blue, blue for sure. Well,
0: that's why we got you on, Mark. It's great to have you on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks very Thank much to CharlesLewis.co.uk, who are the sponsors, who really appreciate their support as well. The wonderful Mark Todd, who uh, is representing the fans, the best I've ever seen anybody do it. I'll be, be frank with you, um, doing a great, great job. Thanks very much to Will, the unsung hero of some of the things that I do. He's he's always there for me, and I really appreciate that. And made a great contribution tonight as well. So thanks to all three of you. Uh, thanks to you for listening. Uh, Will's dog just making an appearance on the Zoom right at the very end. What's what's the dog called? Will give it. Called- she knows
2: it's coming to an end. She's pestering for a walk. Right. She she's got a a city name. No. Dolly. No. Oh, that's
0: not very good, is it? Right, anyway, <laughs> hello to Dolly. Should Obviously, you won't be able to see this
3: should <laughs> I say it's called Zavoleta or something, like everybody else does.
0: Exactly, exactly, you got it. Anyway, thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back to another podcast next week. We've got David Phillips, the former City midfielder, will be joining us for that one. Um, so look out for that. And in the meantime, have a great week. Obviously, I'm off to Bruges. I'll be doing a vlog out there, uh, the, the road trip, we're driving down, going over on the ferry and all that sort of stuff, three day trip. Um, and then, of course, next weekend, it's the long trip to Brighton. Got a few miles to do in the next few uh, few days. So uh, uh, keep keep it blue. And remember, it's great to be a blue.